Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good evening. Good. Y'all can't do better than that, huh? I waited all this time. It's like, what time is it even? Past my best bedtime. I got kids. 1013. I waited all this time for a, amen. Can I get it one more time? Just good evening. Good evening. How is everyone this evening? I'm so happy to be with all of you. My name is Luke Casagrande. I'm a student ministries pastor here locally, and um, I love working with youth. I love speaking to youth. I love what God has in store for the youth, and I think if we look at the narrative of Jesus, Jesus is the one who modeled for us what it looks like to call youth up. Because y'all are reckless. That's why I love youth so much is because y'all are so reckless. And I don't want to ever age out of that. Like, I, I want to keep my heart acquainted to the recklessness of youth. Like, did you know that your ability to assess risk is not fully developed yet? Did you know that about you? Y'all are reckless. You do very dangerous things. Once you get to the age of 26, that prefrontal cortex is fully developed. You can assess risk and your life gets very, 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 very boring. It gets very boring. So enjoy what you got going on in your brain right now and hear, hear from me. Your leaders might not like this very much, but this weekend you have the permission to be reckless. Be reckless. You signed a waiver. Parents can't sue. Be reckless. But I think that's why Jesus had his hand on young people. I think that's why Jesus called young people up because they were willing to be reckless. Lack of inhibition. Let's go for it. You show me purpose. I'm going to show you what I have to give you. I see so many young people who, if they're called into purpose, if they get the light bulb, the light switch, when the light comes on and they have that aha moment, like, man, God wants a part of me, his hands on me. He called me from death into life. I have a greater purpose than this TikTok going on right now. I can actually change the world. And Jesus is like, yes, let me use you. And so that's a little piece of why I love working with youth. I have a family to switch gears, and also extremely terribly bad ADHD. <laughs> so like, squirrel, here's a hard left turn. That's my wife. She's gorgeous, and I love her so much. Sorry, don't want to get too excited. We're going to be celebrating nine years of marriage next month. <laughs> She's not in the room, so I'll get that straight before I go back home. Um, that is my daughter, Maddie Grace. She is hilarious. I call her my tiny tune, especially since she has those, like, she has really thick glasses, um, and her eyes get, like, so big, and she's also kind of sassy. Right there in that picture, she's like, what are these fools doing? I can't even believe I was born into this family, and my son's like, hey, dad, I want to be like you, so check out my gray shirt, my blue pants, and my swag, so there he is just being like, <laughs> this is me. They have uh, crazy, obnoxiously blonde hair. They get it from their mama. What else can I say? I love my family very much. 
I feel like God's building a legacy through what he's given me in this wonderful family. Um, my wife is an overcomer. She's a strong woman of God. She's the only woman in my life who has made me like been able to like belly laugh, like roll on the floor laughing. Because as smart as she is, she's got her master's, she's going for it, she's got two masters, going for a doctorate, she's an educator, she's she's like bomb, dude. She works in the inner city with youth, she's she's bold, she she steps into hard places and just brings love and calls people up and out. Like she is an amazing woman and she's an overcomer. Like I I love her. I love what God's doing in and through her life. And I have no idea what she's doing with a guy like me. And I won. I tell her that often. I married up when I married Kelly. That's her name, Kelly. Um, So I forgot where I was going with that, but the Lord will forgive me. Um, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity because I think it's it's important for um, you to get to know me a little bit. And so I want to give you that opportunity. Uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity to ask me uh, five questions. You can ask me any five questions about myself. Yes, you with the hat whose hands shot up so quickly. No, they're not twins. I get that a lot. They're, um, they're 18 months apart. So they're, uh, my daughter is turning six, six this month. Yeah, she's turning six. No, but they could be, but not really. Uh, another question. Any other questions? All right. Why did I become a youth pastor? Um, when the Lord first took hold of my heart um, about, well, didn't first take hold of my heart. When, my, when I had my sort of prodigal son moment uh, and the Lord really, for real, took hold of my heart and I gave my heart to him, I chose to follow him. Uh, I got involved with youth pretty quickly, and I just knew that that was the track that the Lord had laid out for my life. He wanted me involved with young people, and um, so I stepped in and never left, so thanks for asking. Number three, anybody else? Any questions? No? Y'all scared. Okay. Yes, ma'am. When I'm not working with the youth, that is my full-time job. Um, other than that, I like to wrestle with my kids. I love to cook, and I like weightlifting. Don't let the physique fool you. I do work out from time to time, but no cardio. No, <laughs> I don't do no cardio, right? Yeah, I don't do no cardio. No, I just pick things up and put them down. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. My favorite part about what I do, um, I get to inspire people and I get to um, encourage people on a daily basis. Uh, I do a lot of counseling. So um, that is uh, an amazing privilege and opportunity that not everybody gets to like step into really hard places and bring hope and healing. And I get to have like a first row seat to the hope and healing that Jesus is able to bring to a situation. And that just like lights me up. I know this is a lot for 1030. I know. Yes, you in the back, real loud. All right, my favorite thing about what I do. I'm just going to take that last answer, and I'm just going to repackage it. Here it goes. My favorite thing about what I do for a job is I love to um, call people up 
and into their purpose, their God-given purpose. So when a young person, when I'm able to sit with a young person, whether it's over coffee or over a burrito at Chipotle or in a big group like this, I'm able, or a milkshake later, because those are bomb. I don't know if you've had those before, but I get to um, speak life. I get to um, bring wisdom and say, hey, like, what's God doing with you? What, do you, what would you like him to do with you? And um, we get to go from there. So that's one of the best things I love about what I do. Last one. My favorite color. What is my favorite color and why? Okay, so that fluctuates from time to time depending on the season. Uh, but green, green, I love green. I love green. I love green because green is the color of growth and life, and I love fresh cut grass. I love that smell. Um, is that strange? Uh, I, I love it, man, and I love leaves that are green. I, I like green, man, the color green. Okay, <laughs> all right, that's all that I'm gonna give you, and I'll give you five more tomorrow when you get a little more creative with your questions. Here's where we're at. <laughs> Here's where we're at. Uh, we are going with this theme that Elijah so eloquently teed up. And um, oh, here's another thing, guys. Like, you're going to hear sometimes a cadence uh, with my preaching, and it's going to sound like I'm rapping sometimes. I don't know where it comes from. It's just a part of how I was raised and grew up, all right? So there's going to be that. And then also, I'm so ADHD that I will, like, lose my train of thought, and you'll be, like, seeing me, like, kind of grasp for, like, a word or a concept. Just be patient with me. I'm not having a stroke. I'm just, like, kind of paused, and I'm trying to be like, oh, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so we cool with that? Everybody say amen. We're cool with that. Yes, good. I'm strange. You're welcome. Um, so over, the, over this weekend, we're going to be talking about this idea of one family, one family. And we're going to be referencing this story, this biblical narrative. And the story is going to be found in the book of Hosea. Does anybody know the story of Hosea? Good. It's in the Old Testament. It is a crazy, wild, nuts narrative of God in relationship to his people. You're going to love it. So this idea of one family, this idea of one family can be found through the entirety of the biblical narrative from Genesis all the way to Revelation. God's heart for his people is to make us one with each other as well as one with himself. That was his plan. That was his intent. Perfect Shalom. Shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. Perfect love, perfect grace, perfect harmony, nothing missing, nothing broken between us as people and us and our Father who is God. Now tell me, if that was something that could be realized like now, our world would probably look a whole lot different, wouldn't it? If we lived in perfect love, perfect harmony, perfect relationship, nothing missing, nothing broken between us and God, man, I think that might look a lot like heaven. Call me crazy. But right now in the way that we're living in our life, in our society, in our world, in our news, and what we see all around us, man, it doesn't feel too much like heaven, does it? There's so much fracturing. 
There's so much brokenness and the information and the drama and the craziness and the toxicity and the coronavirus and the bombs and the wars and all that stuff is just pouring in on us. And it's like we need to put up a block to say, okay, I get it. Brokenness exists. Sin is out there. The world's a pretty tough place. Can I find a little hope? And God is saying, I'm your hope. I'm your father. I'm your provider. I'm your perfecter. I'm the person who is coming after you to restore you back to me. I know this is a mess and I want you to be mine, one family. That's God's heart for us. Man, I want that kind of hope. If we were all living up to that hope that we have in Jesus, according to his spirit and what he wants to do in being at work in us and through us, man, I want to know what heaven tastes like. I want to know what heaven looks like when I'm able to step in under the banner of God and his grace and step into this moment right now and say, in this moment, for maybe even just a moment, we together, because we are focused on who God is, maybe right now we can say yes this is a bit heavenly. This might be a heavenly holy moment, a holy weekend that we get to share in together where, man, we can just put the drama away and focus on perfect love. One family together. What an opportunity. I pray that we don't waste it because for some of us, our experience and our reference point for what it looks like to be in family is actually pretty good. Like, there's togetherness, there's health, there's love, there's loyalty. Maybe your family is supportive of one another. I know families like that. That's the standard I'm trying to live up to with mine. Like, maybe there's some drama, but ultimately, pretty good. That may be a good descriptor of some of your families. But then for some of us, our experience with family is not so good. Like, words that could describe our family where we come from is fractured, broken, loveless, unhealthy, sad, maybe some good, some highs, definitely lows, so ultimately difficult. And I know there's some of you in this room that come from that sort of context. But if we go back to that intention, God's hope is that when this whole thing ultimately comes around when the work is ultimately done when Jesus does ultimately come back and new heaven and new earth and everything's restored ultimately there would be nothing missing nothing broken but until that time we gotta know he doesn't leave us alone he's with us always even to the end of the age. So in these four sessions tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, and Sunday morning, we're going to be taking this journey together. And some pieces of these sessions are going to be open-ended. Like, I'm not going to bring you closure to some of this stuff. Like, you're going to have to be forced to wrestle with some of these things. Like, I'm not going to, like, put a nice Band-Aid on it and, like, put a salve on it and say, okay, you're all good. That was a hard moment, but now you're all healthy now. So get out there and take on the world. No, you're going to like go back to your small groups and you're going to start like wrestling with this stuff. And maybe even in your seats, you'll be a little uncomfortable. But you know what, man? Like that's where growth happens. 
And one question that I like to ask young people is, do you want to grow? Do you want to sit in this and complain and lament? Or do you want to grow? God gives us the ability to do that. He can bring growth. So the four titles that we're going to be going through is tonight I gave, then tomorrow morning you return, then then tomorrow afternoon I'll redeem, and then lastly, Sunday morning, we will love. But tonight in this book of Hosea, this idea of one family, we're going to look specifically at the initial piece right here, and it's called I gave. Who is I? God. What did God do? gave what a profound thought but in this historical narrative that we call the bible we find the creator of the universe heaven and earth and you and me and everything in it we find the creator of the universe who spoke life into motion who spoke from the beginning of time, had an intention, and it was so. From the farthest galaxy in our ever-infinitely expanding solar system down to the microfibers of your muscles, like the smallest sinew of, of muscle fibers and DNA that creates your eyeball, like in there to like the farthest, deepest, star that you could ever imagine existing like that's how big God is and he spoke it with intention and guess what after he spoke it and it was he said it's good he gave and whatever he gave whether it be a bird or cattle or grass which is green by the way love it or the rivers, or heaven, or you, me. And he said, it's good. And when he made you and me, he didn't even just say it's good. He said, it's very good. It's very good. But there's a problem. See, see, God said, this is all good. He said, it's all good. It's all good. This is all good. You can have anything you want, anything you want, and it's good. You can have it. But do not have the one thing that, even though it's good, it's not good for you. So don't touch that. And if you do, you're going to die. And in the beginning, these two individuals that God created go up to that thing, which he said is not good. But because it looked good and it was pleasing to the eye, they go up to it, they take it, they bite it, and it's done. Sin happens. A separation, a chasm, a break in the relationship between God and man because what happened was that which was good for the people that were very good no longer seemed to be good and probably didn't seem as good as the thing that they thought might be better and that's what we do every single day we have all this good stuff that God says you can have all of it you can enjoy all of it in relationship with me, in connection with me, enjoy life, enjoy it to the full, enjoy what I've given you. And we go, that's good and all, God. But there's something in us that says, but it's not good enough. 
And God's saying, what I've given you is a good and perfect gift. It comes from me. And you go, yeah, it's great and all, but there's something else that I might be missing on, missing out on. And so I'm going to go run towards that. I'm going to go look at that. I'm going to go listen to that. I'm going to go taste that. I'm going to hang out with them. I'm going to try that because there's something that might be holding out on me. And so I got to go get it because, yes, this is good, but it's not good enough. So I'm going to go look after the one thing that might be better than what you promised me. That's our story. Every time you feel guilt, shame, or go into hiding, it's because you said, God, this isn't good, and it's not good enough. I'm going to go after something better. And it's been outside of, out of line with God's heart. But God gave you good things. And he continues to give. Even if you don't step into the fullness of what he's given you, God continues to pour out. Like, check this out. And you don't even know the time that he might be willing to give you something that might just blow your mind or change your world or bless somebody else. Like, you don't know what God has for you this weekend. Like, you might have an idea. We're going to have fun. We're going to eat bad food and stay up late. God gave you that. Also, there might be something more, and all you had to do was show up. All you had to do was open your eyes and open your ears and say, yes, Lord, my hands are open. I, ha I don't know what it is. I don't know what the gift might be, but I'm going to show up, and if you give it to me, maybe it will also send me and launch me into my purpose to bless somebody else as well. Who knows? Like, some of you just showed up. And you have no idea. Like, can I get a volunteer real quick? Anybody? Yeah, my man right there with the white shirt. All right. That's a big dude. What's up, man? What's your name? Daniel? Good to meet you, bro. Um, all you had to do was show up. You don't know exactly what God has for you here this weekend. But you would be remiss to think that he doesn't have anything. And you can't see what he might have for you. You don't know. But he gives good gifts. So as you just simply showed up here to RVR, and then when I put out the call, like, who can come up front? You said, I do. But you don't know why. Like, that's a little crazy. You might want to check that. Like, being so gung-ho on just volunteering yourself. <laughs> but you're willing, right? You're willing to just come up like, whatever, I'm going to trust, right? But you don't know. So, like, you just show up, and I got a $20 bill, and I'm just going to give it to you. There's 20 bucks, right? So you didn't know I had that for you. But you were willing to show up, and you were paying attention when the call happened, right? You were like, I'll go up. I don't know what for, but here, let me give me some money, maybe. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Daniel, you just showed up, man. And then something good landed in your hand. Now you get to have a milkshake and buy some for your friends probably too, right? He's buying milkshakes tonight, y'all. So <laughs> he's like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> So you got the good gift because you were willing to show up. You didn't know I had that on me, 
I knew I had it for you. You had to be close in proximity in order to receive it. You held out your hand. I put it in your hand. And now you get to take that gift and you are able to now pay it forward and bless others while we're at this amazing retreat. You get to do that, right? What if, what if you showed up here this weekend to get so much more than 20 bucks? So much more than a zipline ride or a paintball battle. What if you came here to have, have a deep, meaningful interaction with the living God who knows you so deeply and intimately and you had no idea that this level of, of relationship could even exist between you and God and you just felt his grace so unbelievably, overwhelmingly filling you up to a measure that you didn't even think was possible. Like what if he had that for you? And then when you went back home, man, your parents or your friends or whoever you stay with, like they were like, man, there's a little something different about Daniel. Like that's crazy. And you just start telling them about it. And then all of a sudden, Maybe your friends get to know and get to be intimately acquainted with the hope that you found. Like, you never know what kind of gift God has for you. You don't know what he's going to work out of you. You don't know what he's going to work into you. All I'm saying is, man, this weekend, just knowing that God gives good gifts, as open as you were to just come up here and hold out your hand, be that open this weekend. God's got something for you. God's got something for you, and you don't know what it is. And all you have to do is show up and say, I'm here, God. I'm open to receive what you have for me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's super big. I don't know if it's super small. But whatever it is, I know it's going to be meaningful, and I'm going to take that thing. And not only is it going to bless me, but it's going to bless others as well. That's the hope. You can sit down. Thanks, bro. That's the hope. He gives good gifts all you had to do was show up Hosea something crazy happens Israel loses their mind this is like way back in history I think like 900 years before Jesus I'll have to check that he's a prophet in the Old Testament and God uses prophets in that day to illustrate his heart for his people. That's what God does. He takes a prophet. He says, here's my, a word to give them. He gives them the word. But then he all, they also make illustrations throughout the biblical narrative of what it looks like with, um, to be in a relationship with God in that time. God's heart for his people. And so God speaks to this man of God named Hosea. And he says something to Hosea that is straight up crazy. Because here's what happens. Israel is losing their minds. They were delivered out of slavery. God's been providing for them, giving them kingdoms, giving them money, giving them power, stabilizing them, establishing them, like protecting them, giving them all these good gifts. But here's what happened. Israel begins to take some gifts for granted and they forget who the giver is and so they start forgetting about the good gifts and start pursuing things that they think might be better and so they start worshiping false gods they start making sacrifices to false idols they start doing crazy things and they're just living for themselves and they're so far outside of God's purposes so when the nations look at Israel they don't even know who their God is they're like they're lost there were lost people and they're taking the good gifts and spending that in other places. And so their heart, God said, God. so here's what God says. This is wild. 
God says to Hosea, yo, Hosea, my man, you see that prostitute over there? Go marry her. Yeah. Go marry a prostitute. This man of God, living for God. Go marry a prostitute. Not only that, but this prostitute's name is Gomer. <laughs> now, <laughs> I've heard some crazy names in the past, and I'm not judging. But those were some mean parents giving that child a name like Gomer. Like, yo, girl, what's your name? Gomer. Okay. All right, got it. And I'm going to go over here. Gomer. I just, I, I wonder what that conversation was like, you know. God, I've been living for you. I love you. Like, I, I, I've been faithful. Like, do I really, is, is this the destiny? You want me to marry Gomer? Like, she's off the hook. She's, <laughs> she's off the hook. She's been sleeping with a lot of guys. That's how she makes her money. She's treated like trash. She's, she's uh, objectified. She's somebody who's just used up, and they don't care if she lives or dies. I'm wondering if she even cares if she lives or dies. Like, she's living in the gutter. Like, Gomer? God's like, Gomer. I want you to marry her. Because this is what it looks like with my relationship with my people. See, my people are my bride, and I've given them good gifts, but they're going, and they're squandering it. It's like, it's like I'm their husband, but they're out there cheating on me, sacrificing themselves, giving themselves to other gods, doing things with the money that I gave them and spending it in places that are so outside of my heart for them. And it's, it's so destructive. It's leading them away from me. It's leading towards death. And I love them, so I'm never going to stop pursuing them. So yes, Hosea, bring this illustration. Bring this picture to the nation of Israel. Go marry the prostitute. And not only do I want you to marry her, I want you to love her. Love her. Protect her, cherish her, provide for her, honor her, be a husband to her, give her good gifts, give her attention, give her affection, keep her close, show her unconditional love. And this is what Hosea does. See, in the text, it says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute. How does this fall in line with I gave? <laughs> I gave Gomer a husband. I gave Gomer good gifts that she had been sacrificing her identity and her value for. I gave her the thing that could rescue her, protect her from, provide for her so that she does not have to go and give herself to all of these men and these dangerous places. She doesn't have to live outside of my will. What she is seeking out there, I have for her right here. I gave her a good thing in giving her Hosea and he wants her he loves her he's with her she he's for her and she is his 
She doesn't have to go out there. I gave her a good thing. She doesn't have to give herself to things that were actually kill her. She doesn't have to give herself to things that are enslaving her. And so I want to interrupt her and provide her a husband who can actually provide for her the good things that she's missing out on but so desperately needs. I want her to have freedom in the proximity of this relationship, in the security of this love. I want her to be free in the context of this relationship. This is my heart for Israel, but they keep enslaving themselves to their sins to their choices outside of my will. And so God is represented by Hosea, and Hosea is saying to Gomer, you want that? I want you. And that's God's heart for all of us. As he continues to give, as he continues to offer the very things that we think are out there, He's offering us the promises that our choices outside of his heart are never willing to deliver on. He's given us those good gifts. And he's saying to each and every one of us, you want that? I want you. And I'm going to give you good gifts. And I want you, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. I want you because I want us to be one the way that I intended it from the beginning because I see your pain and I see your heartache and I see your dysfunction and I see the toxicity and I see the sickness and I see the brokenness and it's breaking my heart. I want you. And so I'm going to give you good gifts. In James, it says, don't be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He's like, hey, don't be deceived. The good and perfect gifts that you're looking for, the things that you want, the things that you think you want, the good and perfect gifts, the ones that you need come from me come from your heavenly father every good and perfect gift the ones that we say nope those aren't good enough I'm gonna find something better no those good and perfect gifts that bring freedom that bring life that bring love that bring grace that bring light and life those come from me I'm gonna keep coming after you I'm going to keep giving to you and so here's what I want us to do and then we're going to wrap up and we're going to roll out and we're going to drink some good and perfect milkshakes but I do want you to think about this we're going to revisit it tomorrow but here's the thing okay so maybe okay perfect and good close your eyes for me just do it Okay, so try not to fall asleep. <laughs> and here's the thing, man. You have been given good and perfect gifts. 
I had a friend give me a card two days ago. It said, this is all it said, 12,846. And I was like, what is that? And she said, that's how many days God has given you life on this earth. And those are the minimal, minimum amount of reasons that you have to thank God. 12,846 reasons minimum for you to thank God because you've had breath for that many days. And so for you, I want you to acquaint your heart with even just the bare minimum of the good and perfect gifts God has given you, like he got you out of bed this morning. He gave you breath and life. Not everyone in this world woke up with breath and life this morning. You have the privilege of a heartbeat. He kept you safe through this day. He brought you here and provided so that you could attend this weekend. He's given you a caring leader here this weekend. He's given you a safe place for the weekend to enjoy everything he has to offer in friends and peers and activities and good food. He has a plan. He's given you a purpose. And he loves you like crazy. And not only that, but Daniel got 20 bucks for just showing up. I don't know how many days you've been on earth, and maybe you want to calculate that on Google. But that is the minimum amount of reasons that you have to thank God. Just think about it. He's given you good gifts. You're here now. And he wants to give you even more. So much more. Open your eyes. He wants to give you even more. So right now, for the bare minimum gifts that he's given us, can we just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for giving us good gifts. And Father, you want to give us even more. Jesus, you never did another thing for us. You've already done enough. We're going to unpack that this weekend, but thank you. For at the very least, you've given us another day. And for that, we say thank you. We anticipate some good gifts to be realized this weekend. We showed up, God. Show us who you are even more. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.